Take us there, Chuck. Alright, welcome back to another Straight Arrow meeting. It's nice to have the order all here. Um, today, I'd like to start off with some attendance as always. Uh, if I uh, call your name, just say here. Uh, do we have Denim Smoking Dart? Present. Uh, corn Free Beer? Hola. And Miles Runs With Bins. How you doing? And I am Dustin Lays With Beaver. So before we get started on the episode here, uh, everybody in uniform, can I get a three-finger salute? Those in civilian clothes, hand over your heart. Let's start with the straight arrow oath. So a straight arrow always tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow is against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow importation of South American propane. And a straight arrow always swallows his emotions. And can I get a roundtable table Matanya? Really heartfelt today, guys. I can see that everybody is really excited and can't wait to start talking about this episode. We have our favorite, our second favorite character as the star of it. I believe Luann is the star. Unlike what IMDb would say, I believe uh, our historian has some notes on the actual production uh, code for this uh, episode. So this is episode five, season one. It's the it aired fifth. But it's from its production code, it was the fourth episode produced. No idea why it aired out of order. Um, but we're probably because of quality. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it aired February 16, 1997. It was written by Paul Lieberstein. Lieberstein. Uh, does anybody recognize that name? No, not at all. He plays. He's very well known as uh, Toby from The Office. Actually, yeah, no, yeah, I'm dead serious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this episode uh, is the, 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 the writer, the writer, yeah, Toby, yeah, no way. I guess he was on the uh, on the staff, and this was the episode that he wrote. Yeah, no wonder it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's about as drab as Toby from the I office. I do really like the episode, but, but I guess he's uh, that must be the Greg Daniels connection. Next, Greg Daniels is heavily involved with the office and King of the Hill, so he must have scouted him. Yeah, I mean it it looked like yeah, it looked like he was in he was around this whole scene for a while. Like Yeah, and I'm quick to talk down on the episode, but uh it, it does have its merits. I mean you do need episodes like this. It, it has some of my favorite bits in this episode, actually. Oh, that's good. That makes me excited. Um it's directed by Pat Shinagawa. I couldn't really find any info on them. They were born in the USA in the fifties. Cool. They they did work on a lot of Simpsons and uh, and uh, Family Guy and stuff around the time. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a name I'm totally unfamiliar with whatsoever. Um, yeah, so if that's about all for show notes, let's get into the uh, episode synopsis. Yeah, so a quick breakdown of what happens in the episode is uh, after Buckley dumps Luann, Hank takes it upon himself to find her a new boyfriend, but for his own personal gain. Yeah, he wants her out of his den. 
So the episode starts, uh, we see Peggy and Luann doing some exercising inside the living room. Um, there's some Chuck Mangione-esque music playing along with it. Um, it's a pretty funny scene as Bobby Bobby walks in saying that his Game Boy is out of batteries and he needs to get on the Nintendo quick. <laughs> but, he's, <laughs> yeah. but he soon joins in with what Hank calls dancing. Um, I think one thing this illustrates is that Peggy seems to really enjoy another uh, female presence in the household. And uh, one question that kind of arose in my mind, I don't know if it's just that I'm in the gutter all the time, but uh, I was kind of wondering, like, why does Bobby know the dances in this video? Like, is he stealing this video, putting it in his VHS player, watching yeah. it after hours, perhaps? I, I, that's sort of what I gather from it. I also think that Bobby is just really good at things that Hank really does not want him to be good at. <laughs> yeah, he does, he does tend to excel at some of that more, you know, the feminine activities, whereas, you know, he goes and plays baseball and he just doesn't really. So Hank comes in and he instantly, you know, scolds Bobby and he tells Luann to watch her mouth after she says that she's therm- firming his thighs and his butt. <laughs> yeah. His butt off. Yeah. <laughs> So Hank uh, loudly walks through the living room and crashes into his den. He runs into a basically wall of Luann's things everywhere. It's really not that bad as he makes it seem. It's kind of how I imagine like a lot of teenage girls' bedrooms would look. But he starts getting all flustered and mad about his den. I didn't used to have to be looking for something. I'd come into my den and just look. Look at my different stuff and get ideas about what I want. So um, Luan ends up distracting Hank uh, by showing him his tackle box. No, it doesn't work like that. How about this tackle box? Luann, what did I just... Uh, well, that might need reorganizing. <laughs> That's like one thing that I've, that I've noticed so far in the first uh, season of King of the Hill, that Hank does all these, you know, you know, typical man things. But I re- reorganize my tackle box a fuckload. <laughs> like, it is... Yeah, you fish, yeah. you gotta do it, man. It's, 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 it's the perfect activity, though, for, like, a tinkerer, a guy who, like, always works on cars <laughs> in the way that he does. Yeah, and I'm not handy, but, like, damn, I can color code a tackle box. Yeah, <laughs> like, you got your fresh quick. water, you got your salt water, you know, you got your hooks and your metal bits and your, you know, yeah, your you gotta make sure. <laughs> Yeah, you got to get your novelty lures out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> make sure your license is uh, valid and not expired. And yeah. yeah my tackle box fucking leaks through the top. So every win- after every winter when I open it up, there's usually, uh, it's just a big pile of rust in there. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, then the then the boys are outside, and of course Luann's uh, very hated amongst the group boyfriend pulls up in his motorbike with no muffler, and they all scream and yell at him. And this is actually the second and final appearance of Buckley in season one. Uh, he returns in season two as a pretty uh, pretty large character again, but this is the last time we see him in season one. The first time was only just working at Megalomart. He wasn't even really, like, identified as Luann's anything. Yeah, I believe his section is the bulk chocolate. Um, But uh, one thing that I thought was, like, made me raise my eyebrow. It was, like, Luann says, after they've been dating for three weeks, I think Buckley's going to ask me to move in with him. And then she hops on the motorbike. That is, like, obviously too loud to hear a conversation. And they get down the street and have already broken up. (laughs) What was said? Just, yeah, Buxy, you. He drops her off crying. Yeah. (laughs) 
Buckley's pretty infamous too for only saying like maybe one word at a time. And it says kind of like poor Luann, like she's like the, such a broken family. Like she's just like crying out for somewhere that she can call her own. And Buckley just shrugs her off his motorcycle one driveway over. I think that's kind of where the irony comes in about how Hank just kind of later on in the episode shrugs her off one driveway down the alley to Boomhauer's place. Mm hmm. The the guys all see this happen. Uh, Bill's the first one to realize that it's a breakup because he uh, last time he went crying running into his house, he was getting broken up with. So they're all super awkward. And Luan Luan is hysterical. Like through like the first ten minutes of this episode, at least I think maybe that was a driving factor making it not really stand out as a top episode in season one. Um. So she. Doesn't stop crying. Peggy encourages her to cry. Hank is super um, uncomfortable with it. He's super annoyed by it all the time. We see him. He's actually sitting on the couch in the living room watching a, an amazing-looking television show. So what you thinking about there, Stu? I'm thinking about flipping that steak there. Well, righty. No, flip that other one. <laughs> Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Make a Steak. And... I mean, first of all, like, why isn't making steak a show? <laughs> like, it's probably less boring than some of, like, you know, men, man TV shows out there. Like all the Gold Rush shows? Just one making a steak show. <laughs> Just cancel one Gold Rush show and make one making a steak show. Hey, man, brother! I did get, I did get really into watching, like, uh, Barbecue Pitmasters, I think it might be, maybe it was called. <laughs> Um, on Netflix, and oh man, I got way into that one last summer. Should probably see if they got any new episodes. Man, summer 2017 was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, after Luann comes running into the, the kitchen and she's crying, and she immediately changes into a, a comfy sweater, a crying sweater, and uh, Hank comes into the kitchen to see her, and he doesn't really know how to act, and that's when Peggy uh, comes in. And I thought it was hilarious that she was carrying a bushel of red peppers or hot peppers, I think. Just like, look what I got on sale. Like, that must have cost like so much. It's a full bushel. Like, she fancies herself pretty, pretty south of the border. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does. So we are, uh, we're soon introduced to a reoccurring uh, celebrity cameo character in king of the hill and it's just like so bizarre that like i couldn't find anything anywhere that leads to why they picked chuck mangioni to be the spokesperson for megalomart other than that it's just so irrelevant that it's funny so a little bit about mr chuck mangioni born november 29th 1940 in rochester new york He's a composer. Uh, I think he's a producer, but he's most known for playing his flugelhorn. <laughs> Every time he is seen in King of the Hill, he is wearing the exact same outfit on the cover of his biggest album, uh, which was Feels So Good. There's a running joke in King of the Hill. He, I think he makes about 10 appearances in the, in the earlier seasons, but he plays his flugelhorn on many different occasions. But the running joke is that no matter what, he'll play like maybe one or two, three notes, and then it always just shifts into feel so good, no matter the occasion <laughs> or what song or what it is. It always just goes to sh uh, feel so good. It feels so good. That was a big album. A big album. It was nominated for Record of the Year, 1979, and he lost out to, do you know? I have no idea. Take a guess. Uh, Stevie Wonder. Billy Joel. 
Uh, he's good. Fucking piano man, Pedro Jones. <laughs> but but of course, as Canadians, we know all about feel so good. How uh, every morning at eight o'clock, we all have to turn and face the east and play our flugelhorns. <laughs> like in South Park, remember that South Park bit? You know what I'm talking about. Why aren't you saying anything? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it was South Park podcast. <laughs> I have to talk about that. What? <laughs> Honestly, like, such a funny line. Just like, oh, 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 that's actually Luan just hysterically screams that at Hank's face when he try after he tells her that she looks pretty. It's not bad advice for Peggy. No, it's not. And Hank finally, basically, I think Peggy's not home. He just draws the line. Just he's fed up. He just moves on to to fix uh, fix Luann. He refers it to fixing a certain car part, I believe. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he got sick of her crying because uh, as I was going through the episode, I started to break it down, and and I noticed that for the first act, at least thirty to forty percent of it is just Luann sobbing painfully. There's a lot of that in the audio of of this episode. How do you not cry? Well, instead of letting it out, try holding it in. Every time you have a feeling, just stick it into a little pit inside your stomach and never let it out. The only example that Hank has, like, you know, for a breakup is the saddest man in Heimlich County. <laughs> Look at my friend Bill. He went through the worst divorce this county's ever seen, but you never see him crying. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just Bill uncontrollably sobbing in his house. His eyes in this episode, looking through the window, remind me of the previous episode where he's so depressed he can't blink. <laughs> I think that line that uh, that Hank says there is again like um, as we've seen in like some of the past episodes with like uh, the flashbacks to Hank's dad caught, and it's like it's really representative of his conservative upbringing. Like it speaks about you know like how he handles problems and how he looks at social situations, right? Like he's under the he's of the ilk where if you are a man, you don't show your feelings. Oh, absolutely. I drank him down. I'm sure if Hank, no matter what age, shed a tear in front of Cotton, he was getting screamed at. Oh, and yeah, like, get his ass you know, kicked. Getting the belt. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but once he, uh, once Peggy comes home and uh, him and Peggy have a chance to talk because he, she sees that Luann's much happier now that she's kind of adopted Hank's uh, ignore it attitude and just have, you know, try to try to not think about it. Uh, he, uh, he tells, he tells Peggy that he's way better at fixing women than she is. I went in there and fixed her like fixing a carburetor. And you know what? It was fun. <laughs> like fixing a carburetor. I liked how they bonded over just eating a tube of raw cookie dough. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. When, uh, when he's just like, man, it's almost as good as ice cream. She's like, you know, they, they make it with cookie dough in it. Damn it, girl. Get my keys. <laughs> You see Hank really kind of open up there and uh, try to do whatever he can to to make Luann feel to make Luann feel better. And uh, rolling on, um, you know, Peggy disagrees with Hank, but you know, Luann does seem to be in a better mood. And I like that whenever they do something, the whole gang goes. So this time they all go to Ugly's Saloon and Country Dancing, where Tuesdays it's all you can drink. <laughs> Bill has that stupid hat. <laughs> 
And uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we get too far into it is that I think in this episode, I just I noticed it more than the others. The the music in this one is really nice and fitting. Like all of the score and like the background music, it the way they do it, they time it so well with what's happening on screen that it like it's it's just actually like impactful music. Like the montage scene actually made you feel good and it actually made you feel like you were like feeling like Hank was coming out of his shell and being a little bit more open and you kind of just like felt that because of the music. I noticed that a lot in the uh and I think it was the se- what was the second one? Peggy Square Peg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, where she was doing all the studying and stuff too. <laughs> there's there's been a lot of good music. Like I've I've looked up who did who does the music for it, but it's hard to find like Yeah, the the music really uh you know, is part of the reason it makes King of the Hill so great. It may be an animated show now. It might even be slightly dated, but the music uh, and the characters give such a, a human feel to it and, like, a real touch to it. And um, just quickly there, this is the first of three appearances of them all going to Ugly's uh, Cowboy Saloon for <laughs> for dancing. It shows them all uh, pull into the parking lot. Uh, Dale and Nancy are in the, the pickup I mentioned in the last episode. And this is the first appearance of Boomhauer's car. But one thing quickly that I thought was really, really funny, and I don't know why, I even wrote down here, I didn't know why I found it so funny, is that just Bill and Boomhauer show up together in Boomhauer's car. Now, that, granted, that makes a lot of sense because they're neighbors, but Boomhauer is a smooth player, right? And Bill is the saddest motherfucker in Heimlich County, and he's this pathetic guy. He doesn't even have his pants buckled up <laughs> getting to the bar. So, like, I'm sure that Bill would just had to plead with Boomhauer to get him into his car. So, Denim, are you still, uh, are you out of guesses for what Boomhauer's car is? I looked up what I thought it was. Do you want to know what it is? The duster or the dart? Nope. What do you say? Boomhauer's car is a 1968 Dodge Coronet Super B. Now, this is the first time the, the Super B was brought in was 1968, and the Coronet was the companion to the Plymouth Roadrunner. But Chrysler always hitting one step ahead of Plymouth. It was a way nicer car. But it was essentially a Roadrunner, but just a little bit more jacked up. And Boomhauer's came with a 426 cubic inch 7 liter V8. And the Super B comes from, it's on the B body platform, which all of, like, the Mopar muscle cars were pretty much in the in that era. Sounds like a pretty sweet car. <laughs> I was jotting all these notes down, and for some reason, all I could think about was if your dad and his car buddies heard me spewing wrong muscle car <laughs> info, and they would just tear me a new asshole. So, yeah, I went pretty in-depth with it, or I tried to at least. <laughs> no, it's impressive. No, it's good. The uh, the one thing that I'm thinking about is that Bill must have left the house with undone pants. <laughs> My theory for that is that he had to he couldn't sit down with them done up. So every time he sits down and gets up, he needs to redo them. That's my guess. Yeah, that, that's that's a pretty good guess. And and Hank sporting a beautiful outfit, the one that I've never seen, uh, black shirt, nice red uh, shoulders, uh, and he's got black shoes on this time. I noticed it was it was quite nice. Yeah, when you go to Uglies, you you gotta you gotta make an entrance, right? I love how every guy in there was wearing like the same like cowboy button up shirt tucked into a and pair of Wranglers. Bill has that stupid hat. Bill's so he looks it's like so dumb on his head. Like <laughs> I, I thought it was funny too, like when they first get there and Hank goes to uh, to separate 
him and the guys away from the other the other people in the group. He goes, "We got to help Bill do his pants up," and like there is no way that those three guys are gonna be in this public parking lot <laughs> helping Bill do his fucking pants. Yeah, up. trying to stuff them in there. Be yeah, because because they all meet to to get out the ulterior motive of finding Luann a new boyfriend, right? And that's because Hank misunderstood Peggy when she was telling him that if you date him for three weeks, it takes three weeks to get over him. Yeah. He took that as you date him in three weeks, and then uh, it'll take three weeks before you get a new boyfriend. So he's trying to get her get her a stud. And uh, I don't think we ever see Bill with his uh, pants done up. I think he just... Does just does it himself. Yeah, he <laughs> must do it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, not a three-man job. Because when he's dancing around with Peggy in the uh, in Uglies, he has his pants clearly done up. Okay, he's sweating all over the fucking place. <laughs> you fucking savage. In the sea of bolo ties. Yeah, uh, Hank tells Bill to dance with Peggy so that Peggy's distracted, so that Hank can uh, fulfill his goal for the night and find Luann a regular guy. And one thing that uh, I caught, it was on the second time watching it. I didn't catch it the first time, but it was just this funny little line that Bill said because he always has these just little one-liners of like, Bill, you're such a fucking idiot. But <laughs> Oh, one more thing. Peggy doesn't know about this. Boy, you want me to tell her? <laughs> no, Bill. <laughs> It's like no Bill. <laughs> Fuck. So they're all uh, they're all out looking for uh, for a guy for Luann, and it's it's cool. It's funny to see actually like who each of them thinks is going to be a good fit for yeah, her. And it's all kind of different. Opinions, exactly right. right? Yeah. My favorite part of that opening scene where uh, or Hank, sorry, is just walking around uglies looking at like potential suitors, and he looks at that one guy, and he's like, oh yeah, maybe, and then he turns around, he's got a ponytail, yeah. and he's like, yeah, no. That one, yeah, yeah, and then immediately after, there's a guy with a pig nose that's like yeah. absolutely deformed, and he's like, "Yeah, maybe." Like, it's like a ponytail's that much worse. And meanwhile, Dale's just walking around looking for dudes with round, muscular butts. It's a scientific fact that women like round, muscular butts. I'm gonna look for a guy with a round, muscular butt. <laughs> and there's a scene. Um, John Redcorn comes up, and he goes, "Dale, I bought you a beer. He's like, can I dance with your wife?" And we saw you. Uh, in the deleted scenes that he actually, um, when John Redcorn and Nancy are dancing, Dale looks at him and goes, hmm, round muscular butt. <laughs> you know, talking about John Redcorn. Yeah, I was watching this, uh, I was watching this episode with a friend and she noted that perhaps Dale is homosexual. That was, that was an idea tossed around and I didn't really, like there was points to, to support it because he doesn't seem to care about his smoking hot wife, you know, he's looking for guys with round muscular butts in the bathroom, you know. Well, that's just research, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would go as far as to call him a homosexual, but he's definitely lacking like. Uh, <laughs> Brain cells? A lot of like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, like yeah. like just John Redcorn is just way too easy for him to swoop in on this little well, skinny yeah, it's, it's like smoking that whole conspiracy theory. Interaction there is just like their relationship, that love triangle in a nutshell, right? And he he walks off John Redcorn with Nancy, and then Dale looks at him. And he just says, "Sucker!" Like he's sitting there with a beer in his hand, and he got rid of his wife, but yeah, he can't understand what's going on right underneath his nose. Exactly, and uh, and of course, Boomhauer finds the one guy in the place with a mustache on. Hey, boy, I tell you what, man. Is that dang old CK1, man? Just like catnip. <laughs> just like catnip. So, yeah, Boomhauer, as usual, is just jaw jocking to this guy that no one under can understand um, what he's saying. And then this uh, this woman of uh, values true, I'm sure, comes over and basically just picks 
uh, Boomhauer up, up out of his seat says come and dance with me and he talks about the ck1 cologne being like catnip and uh, i looked into the ck1 cologne launched in 1994 by calvin klein obviously and is considered a unisex fragrance and it was also the um the first unisex fragrance in history to gain popularity in the united states <laughs> i wish <laughs> So, uh, finally, after a few minutes of scouring the bar, uh, Hank finds his regular guy, and his name is Wade. He's got a Texas State belt buckle that is so shiny and blinding that Hank has to cover his eyes. He's wearing a huge cowboy hat and a uh, Stars and Stripes uh, button-up shirt tucked into his pants. Hank starts talking to him. Uh, Wade tells him that he loves his mama, cooks with propane, and is a varsity quarterback who can run the 40 under five seconds. Which really is not that fast. <laughs> yeah, like I, I did the forty yard dash and and I ran it under five seconds. It's really not that impressive. I think the the uh, I think when Brock Osweiler, Osweiler ran like a seven second forty yard dash, it was like the slowest at the combine ever. And it uh it kind of ends with a nice little dance scene. I had no idea Hank had the moves that he has. You know, like it's it's obvious Peggy does because she was leading the whole way with Bill. The, uh, what is it, the double dog heel kick uh, fan. Yeah, boot scoot, boot scoot, grapevine. Um, very impressive coming from Peggy, and Hank actually matched it, so I was impressed with that. But what really kind of, I'm going to move ahead a little bit, but when they're back at home afterwards, which I assume would be, what, 10.30, 11 p.m., Hank's making Bobby pancakes, and Bobby, he, he just dumped a plate of syrup and just started licking it. Like, oh. Yeah, I love, it um, goes back to Bobby and his classic innocence. He goes, is Luann going to marry your new boyfriend? Like, they've known each other for, like, 35 minutes. And we find out, um, basically, that... Hank's plan backfired in his face like so badly. Yeah, Wade turns into Mr. Grabby Sam as soon as yeah, so, <laughs> Hank uh, takes off. So Hank's making up flapjacks in the kitchen for Bobby and uh, a car pulls up. They assume it's Wade. I'm actually going to interrupt you. Before that, I believe Buckley shows up. Yes. Buckley shows up on his motorbike. Yes. That's right. And Hank, uh, Hank runs outside and he, and he, he says, says, get off my lawn. Yeah, <laughs> it's a favorite line around this house. Um, but also... Those better be for me. No, nah, they're, they're for me for later. <laughs> yeah, a shirtless Buckley on his motorcycle with, the, uh, with a heart-shaped box of chocolates underneath his arm was uh, quite, a, quite an interesting a picture. A massive heart-shaped box. Like, you cannot ride a motorcycle without a shirt on and like no anywhere to... Put that giant box of chocolates. And I also like when he kind of goes, you blew it, dipped. <laughs> uh, as he's still yelling at uh, Buckley, he uh, he's talking about Wade a little bit. And he says about how Wade is uh, way better than he is and uh, that he's a football player. And there's this one line that I heard. You can't compete with this new guy. He's a football player, and football players know how to treat women right. And uh, what I thought was funny about that is I, I actually looked up the uh, the NFL arrest rate. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that uh, is actually right here in front of me. Under substance abuse is domestic violence is the highest arrest rate, and then sexual assault is a few underneath. Um, so that's actually not true, Mr. Hill. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've seen some, uh, they some... do not know how to treat women. I've, I've seen some videos of, uh, of some football players treating wives with uh, with a bit of disrespect that go against that. But uh. so um, we see 
Boomhauer uh, show up dropping Luann off. Oh, we see is, Wade in a Dodge. It's a lot like Boomhauer. <laughs> he goes, oh, he's like, as if there's another 1968 Dodge Coronet all decked out in chrome. And I just love that that is Boomhauer's like daily driver. Like that is such a badass car. Do you much much he spends on fuel with a seven liter V8? <laughs> he doesn't yeah. ever leave the alley. He can't afford to. Um, but it's funny how when <laughs> he's like, oh, it's all done up like Boomhauer's, and then Peggy goes... Well, why on earth would anyone do that? Boomhauer? Good night. Thanks for the lift. No! While Hank is doing his infamous uh, really long scream it's actually Luann is kissing Boomhauer on the cheek which is like leads Hank to believe that they are a thing now and that they're a couple and Hank is completely outraged and he storms out into his front yard starts hollering at Luann and Boomhauer and Luann tells Hank because Hank goes where's Wade I want Wade and he goes well Wade turned into Mr. Grabby Sam as soon as you left and it's like the uh like Hank's like at his most mad we've seen him so far in the series and his insults for Boomhauer is that he calls him a no good immoral skirt chasing rascal <laughs> I laughed extra hard at the rascal part I've been watching a lot of Bob Ross lately and everything's a rascal in that show but uh, it's funny because uh, Hank and Luann they start to argue and and Hank doesn't want her in the house, and she says, well, I'll just stay with Boomhauer, and he's got something to say about that. Hey, well, wait, man, I did this ain't going to work out, man. These little gals come around here, they just that flat-out no, man. Thanks, Boomhauer, let's go. Dang old bitch. She just totally glazes over what Boomhauer says. It just leads to believe that no one can understand what he's saying. Thanks, Boomhauer. So she's incredibly nervous and uncomfortable at Boomhauer's bachelor pad and while he's just puttering around literally just throws a pillow and a blanket at her on the couch and retreats to his own bedroom yeah there was one uh, one thing that I noticed that was actually like it, it made me laugh because I can relate to it so deeply is that uh, she's like oh it's awfully dark in here and that's like what anybody I bring back to my house says about my house like it is really dark and then they turn on a light and they find out that it's no better and there's a reason it's off (laughs) yeah surrounded in these posters (laughs) so the next scene we see it's um what the guys do what what they do is each guy takes turns buying the beer for the week so they're in hank's garage in his fridge in his garage which every Everybody's got a fridge in their garage. You know, it was their old fridge from inside the kitchen. Now it's in the garage for frozen snacks and beer, right? So they're divvying up the last 24 case, and Bill and guy don't split up even anymore. <laughs> I like how Dale's the most rational one of, of all of them, too. Yeah. Who's it? I think it's Bill. He goes, well, I'll just take it. <laughs> Look, let's just split that six pack up. We can each take two. Tell you what, why not just take the whole thing? <laughs> so, and that's actually when Hank, uh, he calls Boomhauer a cradle robber, too, at that point. That cradle robber's getting none of my beer. And the guys can't understand why he's so upset, because it's not like it's his daughter, but uh, according to Hank, she's just as close. Hell, she's my wife's brother's daughter. You can't get any closer than that. I don't know why he didn't just say she's my niece. <laughs> Which is like a much easier way of, of phrasing it, but he's still um, because 
Bill and Dale are just so dense that they are still just believing Hank that this he's shrugging everything off, that it's actually not affecting him anyway, where he truly is bothered by it. Like he he doesn't want to admit to it and he he does eventually, but she is like a daughter to him, a member of the family, and he is just so offended and um yeah, I think there's a line about that earlier, or it might be later, when she's, like, mad at him. I think it's when they were arguing, and she's like, you're not my dad. And he's like, well, you are you have a point there. And then he, like, takes a pause, and he's like, you're damn right I'm not. Like, he has to remind himself that he doesn't want to be that, like, role in her life when he's just naturally taking it on. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny watching Hank fight with his emotions because he just can't have any. I do really like um, Luann's character just... Even for the fact that, like, from the first episode, she's pretty fresh to the Hill residence. Like, she only just moved in there because the trailer tipped over, mm-hmm. like, very shortly before that. So a it's, weeks ago, yeah. So kind of, like, as a viewer of the show, like, we're sort of moving into Rainy Street the same time as... Mm-hmm. And um, we kind of... I think we kind of just missed my favorite joke of the episode, hands down. And it's when um, Luann and Hank are arguing out in the alley and then their beef ends and we just see Dale wearing nothing but his blue jeans <laughs> and brushing his teeth. Damn it, this neighborhood is turning into Melrose Place. <laughs> and as soon as he says that and turns inside his screen door, we see John Redcorn, a shirtless John Redcorn, get just barrel out of that bedroom window and just sprint. I love that he just sprinted and runs to his uh, his wife. I uh, I'm I'm kind of confused on the logistics of that. So did they come back together, all three of them? Like, cause that's like well, he. Nancy wasn't at the. Uh... Oh, she didn't go. I thought she did. She was, yeah. Oh, then she he was, was just like, hold my beer, let me dance with your wife, and then I guess oh, he just ignored yeah. her for the rest of the night and just expected her to be back home. <laughs> Dale was too busy looking for a regular guy in the men's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. They they definitely showed up together in that old F one hundred of Dale's and. Um, I doubt they left together, but I'm sure Boom or uh, John Redcorn is uh, has his sneaky ways. He was taking care of her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, I guess we're gonna move on because Peggy has a great idea for the whole family to go out for uh, all you can eat, right? Yeah, to the buffet. To the buffet. Lulies. Lulies. Uh, that I'm gonna have some of that oh, fried no. chicken and a fried plate of fried chicken, French fried side, fried and some fried okra. So while Boomhauer is hilariously ordering so fast that I'm sure no one can understand him, Hank notices obviously that Boomhauer and Luann are there and he's very disappointed and he keeps doing anything to distract himself while Bobby's like, hey, look, it's Luann and Boomhauer. And Hank just keeps asking these like minute like questions about. Uh, is that gravy lumpy tonight? <laughs> And he also makes another uh, comment about their condiment selection. Son, they got eight kinds of ketchup here and three kinds of ketchup. So what's the difference, Denim? A lot of you might be asking yourself, what is the difference? Because <laughs> you, you look like ketchup. a man that loves condiments. I do love condiments. I'm not a I'm not the biggest ketchup fan, <laughs> but I, 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 I have respect for some ketchup on my potatoes. You got to respect the chub, man. Yeah. So, really, all it is is uh, it's a difference in spelling. Uh, <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Did you do your homework or you just make that up? <laughs> well, I mean, like, ketchup starts with a K and catsup starts with a C. Dobbs. <laughs> no, I think it's just like interpretation and, like, I mean, literally, like spelling. Because, like, some people would call it catsup and then it evolved into ketchup. Yeah. 
Um, I think it well it says that it came from uh, simply two different spellings for the same thing, a modern westernized version of a condiment that European traders were introduced to while visiting the Far East in the late 17th century. So my guess is it was probably something closer to catsup, and then it evolved into ketchup. Yes, the ketchup wars of the late 17th century. <laughs> we all know mustard prevailed and always will prevail. <laughs> the streets ran red, not with blood. See, I always thought uh, catsup was that small uh, liquidy bit that comes off the top if you don't shake oh, the, the bottle. Oh, the pre-ketchup? Yeah, the pre-ketchup. I thought that was the catsup. Did you hate it when your ketchup just prees all over your hot dog? <laughs> Shit's potent, man. You gotta be careful. <laughs> That's where the most uh, concentrated tomatoes are. Oh, yeah, man. They're so concentrated, you can't even see them. <laughs> so I think uh, our tip of the spear uh, wanted to talk about the uh, selection of utensils that Lulis Lou- have. Yeah, so they uh, they go over to the fork bar, which is this uh, pretty ominous-looking bar with a, with a whole bunch of forks. It says forks from around the world, and you look at it, they got... They got, you know, the uh, the classic, like, the, the meat forks that has the two prongs. You got your three-prongers, which is a common Western fork. Yeah. You got your four-prongers, which is some European crazy salad shit that's going on. And then you got a bunch of other ones that look like they look like they got they a bunch of utensils. weird spears on them. And they got all kinds of strange blades. I thought it was kind of kind of an interesting moment to see all these forks. Fork and A. I think I might have seen a spork in there. It was clearly misplaced. That needs to be the spork station, but I'm sure Hank would be pissed if he picked up a spork. <laughs> what kind of lazy person invented this? So um, after we're done ogling the condiments and utensils of the cafeteria, uh, Boomhauer actually gets a, it's a bit light of an episode there, Miles. Yeah, pretty thin for the cast. <laughs> but anyway, Boomhauer finally gets a, a word in with Hank, and he's just uh, feverishly trying to explain himself. And he, it's not like what it's going on. I think he actually references Woody Allen. <laughs> so, Hank, man, I, I don't know what you're thinking, man, but y'all got, got no man. I ain't no dang old Woody Allen with that little soon leave, man. This ain't nothing going to happen. What we found out is that Woody Allen is a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> Boomar is really aware of it. Yeah, I did a little bit of research, and uh, it turns out that uh, when he was with Mia Farrow, he tried to assault their seven-year-old daughter. Mia Farrow is a babe. So her daughter just must have been smoking. Well, no. I mean, she was probably six. Seven. So, and then... Uh, a couple of years, not a couple of years, uh, quite a few years later, uh, Mia Farrow adopted a daughter from Seoul, and uh, they didn't really know her age, but uh, when she was in about, uh, I think, her last year of high school, Woody decided it was about time for them to start uh, getting it on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Woody Harrelson just... Uh, you know what I mean. Woody Allen. Damn. Sorry, Woody Harrelson. Don't be dragging Woody Harrelson's <laughs> name through the mud. He is a wonderful actor. And I'm sure he's a loving father. Yeah, he's a ray of sunshine, that guy. But yeah, Woody Allen, shit person. Great director. I just just going to throw it out there. I think there's a couple of tidbits like that that Boomhauer seems to be the only one out of the guys in the alley that's like aware of, like, pop culture and things like that that are going on like he's the only one that pays attention to it like when he referenced Seinfeld yeah it's probably because he's such a womanizer and as the older he gets like the women stay the same age so he's got to stay like some sort of relevance to have something to talk to with them look at she's crying again 
I guess she just got dumped by her new boyfriend, Boomhauer. So right after this is said, Peggy um, scolds Hank, and it's a finally the first time in the episode where Hank finally, I think, realizes that he's that he shouldn't be so hard with his niece because Peggy goes that Boomhauer didn't dump Luann. You did, Hank. You're the one who abandoned her. And there's totally a revelation inside Hank's head that he's putting on this charade the whole time that it just, it's just not feasible to do anymore. So he tells her at the restaurant um, to come pick your stuff up. It's all boxed and ready to go. Near the end of the episode, or just in the next scene after, uh, Luann, uh, you know, very crestfallen, very heartbroken, Luann shows up and Hank goes, yeah, your stuff's all ready to go. It's inside my den. And she walks in there and everything as how it was uh, a couple of days before. And a uh, couple things about this is you mentioned earlier about how Hank was walking through and he was getting all pissed off with how much stuff was on the floor and later it shows him leaf blowing it and shoveling it. It is literally like a mirror, a stuffed teddy and some nail polish like it is not a lot of stuff. And uh, this uh, this scene actually made me really note on the, the quality of the music um, because I just felt like they just did a like it was just a really beautiful job scoring this uh this scene and i i hope it's okay if i play the whole thing absolutely um maybe before you do just one thing i mean know this i know this episode with all four of us was not a, a favorite from season one but i think it, it did a really good job of illustrating that hank is you know has such a big heart and he is such a good guy and i think that's what they were trying to get a point across and i think they did it perfectly in this episode and it really um, having Luann basically as kind of a side character in the first three episodes of season one, that maybe she's going to move out, move back with her mama, or, you know, no one knows what's going to happen. But in this scene, Hank goes, yeah, the, the sofa bed's folded out because you're staying a while. So it, it, it cements Luann as a member of the family and as a main character throughout the whole series going forward. And before I play this, uh, this beautiful final clip, uh, is there anything that anybody else would like to say, final thoughts of the episode? I just, uh, I'd like to see Luann get some screen time. I'm I think that she does a really good job of balancing out Hank's character and bringing some parts of Hank out. So, yeah, I think like I say, I think she's a I think she's a important part of the show. It just it adds that one more dynamic that Hank was missing. Yeah, he's got an adolescent son who's not what he wanted to be, but now he has this very attractive teenage daughter in a sense living in his house so it's just one more thing yeah. for hank to be weirded out by in his own home and he yeah. has and, and just to sort of like piggyback on what you guys are saying and in, in agreement is like it's it adds another like female like a, a female's perspective to the show right like because i mean you have peggy there who is you know she's she's fairly vocal but she's genuinely not one of the uh you know the big story arcs that's going on it's usually revolving around what's going on with bobby or what's going on with hank and the guys in the alley so to have another woman there and have her going through her you know adolescence her later teenage years and dealing with relationships and that sort of thing are something that you wouldn't likely see otherwise mm -hmm. and it's her taking over hank's den it just uh leaves one more place in the house where he's uncomfortable <laughs> or you know what i mean like he can't be in the living room anymore it's just like him and peggy's bedroom and his garage now essentially for some for most parts is the only place where he can get away and be hank and not be annoyed by everything and that kind of seems like that's what it is for all men with families is that they only really have the one space that's just theirs and it's usually a garage or a, a shed of some kind but uh here's the final clip and i just want you to pay attention to the uh to the music in it <laughs> Uh, I was moving stuff around 
And it seems that the room looks a little better this way. The bed is even out. Well, I figure there's no sense in packing it up night after night. To... I love you, Uncle Hank. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyways, it reminds me of an outdoor rock concert at the end when everybody's swaying, holding their lighters up. I don't know. Great time. But uh, there is one more final scene that I did want to play for everybody. Just ended on a happy note. Well, let's get it over with. Boomhauer! Yep. He's standing Bear. on the road. <laughs> He's yep. still looking. That was beautiful. So, that was episode four from the Order of the Straight Arrow. This is us signing out. Could we all get a Wimitanya, please? Wimitanya! Bye now.